0: our economy is crashing inflation is out of control
1: why are conservatives bad mommy because i thought we were supposed to conserve (laughs) they'd
0: actually breathe in my nostrils to make me move russia has joined with china (laughs) the usa is a mess this is not real it's just a dream please please wake up
1: Welcome, welcome to Speaking Out America. It is the Tuesday edition. I appreciate you stopping by. Don't forget, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Pacific on CRN Talk. Our website is speakingoutamerica.com. And we also post our archive shows there. And you can hear our podcast just about everywhere. If you miss it on CRNTalk.com, you can find it on Spotify, uh, all the different platforms, including uh, iHeart, Amazon. Google, Podcast, uh, iTunes, TuneIn, we're everywhere. Uh, and uh, unlike Joe Biden, we're everywhere. Yeah, that's right. Um, we'll have Michael Letts coming on a little bit, talk about the shooting in Allen, Texas, over the last couple of days, what the skinny is on that. Uh, also want to get his take on the Marine who took out the uh, homeless man in New York in the subway and his opinion on that. Also a little bit later on, it gets creepy, folks. With this AI, uh, they want to use AI. Uh, this is just the typical "let's let's worry about the problems later" attitude that we get from these scientists. You know, it's the same mindset. Let's create a virus to see what happens. Uh, that we that way we can try this new mRNA. You know, it's the same thinking that goes into just about everything, and this is why I, I tell you, don't trust the experts all the time. You know, you have to pull out that critical thinking. And what I'm talking about here is this push now with AI to identify people at risk of mental illness. And there is nothing more dystopian about that. Ben Barti is a writer for uh, various publications, including PJ Media. And he accurately points out that the technocrats are now seeding the concept of using artificial intelligence in the application of mental health care, starting with the most extreme cases of potential suicide youth, and then once the practice is established, widening it out to more routine context. So what he's saying is it starts out to be a, a possible solution in one area of the medical industry, but then... The people, you know, in the top and people making policy decisions decide, well, wait a minute, maybe we could use this to identify people who are at risk of being domestic terrorists. Right. So he writes Ben, he writes everyone, nearly everyone is sympathetic to adolescent suicide and would like to stop it. So that's the case study they will start with to legitimize using artificial intelligence to screen for mental health conditions. He says, as they often use this kind of human shield tactic in their social engineering narratives, once you recognize that it is become a given that they'll use suicidal youth or transgender suicidal youth in their story and widen their applications henceforth. So you always start to see a technology or a methodology that's being used for one specific and then like, for example, the Patriot Act. It started out being a protective measure to ensure that things like 9-11 never happened again. But then it turns out that now it's being used to spy on potential terrorists in our country, i.e. Catholics or parents who show up at school board meetings. Same tools, different application. So now, and and it's clear to see how AI could be programmed to work. But I want you to listen to a story that it's a good example of how the media jumps on in, and they start putting their spin, and then they use their uh, perspective to convince you, the listener, that this is really a good idea because it's it's all about safety. So here is a, a here is a piece of of uh, media from NBC News, talking about the benefits of using AI to screen for mental health illness. Listen to this.
0: In today's mental health check, teens are facing a mental health
1: crisis in this country. There's no other way to say it. But what if artificial intelligence could help? NBC News technology correspondent Jake Ward is here with me. Jake, we should warn viewers that we are going to talk about preventing suicide here. This is a potentially positive
0: use of A.I.,
1: That's absolutely right, Kate. I mean, we know that AI can pick patterns out of data that uh, human analysts really cannot see. Well, it turns out that artificial intelligence may in fact be able to get out in front of the science of some very distressing mental health crises in young people. Uh, And it's not just that, it's in all people. And Barty goes on the record as saying, I'm going to make a prediction right now that at some point in the not so distant future, perhaps the next edition of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual which is what doctors and psychologists use to determine, you know, things like who has HD and what are the symptoms. That's called the DSM. Uh, Barty says, the author of this article, that he believes that they could use this technology to weed out right-wing ideology or perhaps even people who are religious. I mean, you could put any kind of red flag algorithm you want and look for keywords, and then in some fashion say, okay, well, we can tell by, the, by what this person goes to on the Internet that they pose a risk and they should be treated. See, and then they can use the two birds, one stone scenario, which is they can use AI to neutralize political opponents and also aid in the chemical lobotomies and increase pharmaceutical profits at the same time. The new mental health condition would probably be termed similar to oppositional defiant disorder. And that's what they do in England, meant to convey the idea that there is a legitimate benevolent authority that the individual will not submit to and therefore is a danger to society that must be controlled for the greater good. So under the auspices, if you're following me along, the auspices is that this AI use of trying to figure out who's suicidal or who poses a risk to themselves will eventually be a tool to show And expose those who are not a risk to themselves, but a risk to the established authority. And that's where they say, we're talking about protecting the greater good. And that's how they get people to sign on to this. Oh, well, I think it's a good idea. If we can prevent just one child from committing suicide, then we will have saved the day. And so if you ever saw a minority report, or if you ever read 1984, this is a eventually an authoritarian way of controlling people and using technology to keep them in line or to root them out and label them as mentally. Every time I hear it now, you see it on TV, the guy that shot the people in Allen, Texas, uh, the guy that shot the people at the party in Alabama a couple of weeks ago. And, And it just goes on and on and and now you got the guy that was uh, he had mental health illness that's all they say is mental health neely the guy in new york he had mental health well what kind of mental health illness how is he being treated and so that's that's what we're up against we have now people who are completely happy with the idea of using artificial intelligence to root out mental illness that's going to be scary, don't you think? I think it is. Okay, so today's the big day, or actually, tomorrow will be the big day that I thought about this a lot. I'm talking about now the Biden Hunter shoe drop. The other shoe is going to drop, and many Americans tomorrow, if they're paying attention, are going to realize that the President of the United States has been using and peddling influence probably up until the time he got reelected and will continue to do so unless he is stopped. And the congressional leaders who have been investigating this warned the Department of Justice not to tip off the White House, but also said that the Department of Justice has not been doing its job in investigating Hunter Biden. And then you have uh, Joe Biden going on TV last Friday night with a huge no-no of declaring that he thinks his son is innocent. Which would, which would impede any investigation by his own Department of Justice. If the president is saying here, there's no here, here, or there's no there, there, then the other administrative officials will take their cue. But they can't do that now because Congress has been investigating Hunter Biden. Congress has been looking into the receipts. Congress has been looking into all these LLCs that have been created by the Biden family, a web of money flow coming from countries, organizations in countries, and all being distributed among the Biden family. Why? Because Hunter is out there selling influence. He's peddling his father's influence around the globe. And that's a felony. That would be like if, uh, well, I mean, Hillary Clinton used to do the same thing in Bill when she was Secretary of State. She'd she'd, uh, parlay South American deals Uh, that were passed off as donations to the Clinton, uh, what is it, the CGI? I thought that was an interesting name, CGI, which means it's not real. Uh, The Clinton Global Initiative, that's right, that's right, CGI. And they were extorting Colombian and Ecuadorian countries, hey, donate to us and we'll make sure that we invest in you. And that's illegal. And it's, it's also uh, immoral for you to use your your social or political influence at taxpayers' expense, which is essentially what we're going to be hearing about tomorrow. So it is quite possible that justice may indeed prevail in this. So my my opinion is that be on the lookout for any big story that will distract you from the other shoe-dropping. In other words, there will be a big story about something else uh, that is orchestrated perfectly to distract you from the fact that we're all about to learn that Joe Biden is the crook that we suspected he was. We'll be right back. In a minute, we'll catch up with Michael Letts. He is the CEO of InvestUSA.org. He does a tremendous amount of work for law enforcement officers across the country, uh, often on his own dime. And uh, it's he's a man that keeps an eye on things. He's particularly enthusiastic about protecting our Second Amendment, and for good reason. And uh, he's going to be joining us in a minute to kind of give us an overview of what we saw in Texas last week with the shootings and how invest USA is continuing to support our police officers. And also I want to get his take on that takedown of the homeless man in the, uh, um, subway, uh, Jordan Neely talk about that. Also reparations is something that is one step closer to possible reality in California. And it's just crazy. And we'll cover that in a little while. And I do have some salient points that I want to make about that, but I'll get to that in a little bit. Um, Also, I I wanted to just, uh, I, I jotted this down as a note yesterday. As I observed the news, I want to share with you the difference between real news and fake news. So if you'll indulge me in just a moment here on Speaking Out America. So I just want to give you a list of what the fake news is that the media wants you to pay attention to. Now, these are all stories that you see every day, and they really have no bearing on anything that has to do with you. It's just distraction. These are, you know, if you have a cat, you ever do the laser pen where you get them to, you know, run up against the wall and try to catch the, the laser pen? Well, this is what fake news is. It's specifically designed, well, it's low-hanging fruit. And take it from somebody who's been in the media for a long, long time. Low-hanging fruit is, one, easy to produce, and two, usually requires very little thinking and three has also very little meaning on your life other than being somewhat interesting. But they really have no relevance to the big picture, which is our security, our safety, and our freedom. Those are the three, the three pillars by which every human being, you know, security, whether it's food security or home security. And then you've got safety, which is being able to leave your home, and not fear being attacked by someone or ha- having someone not be able to come into your home, and then also uh, your freedom to self, uh, I suppose, perpetuate. Those are the important things. Anything that affects those three things is what matters or what should matter. So here's a list of fake news, which you'll see every night, That doesn't mean a damn thing. Anything to do with Disney, anything to do with racism, Anything to do with trans rights. Anything to do with the Florida Don't Say Gay bill, which is a fabrication invented by the media and the left. Uh, Anything to do with DeSantis running against Trump is fake news. And it's deliberately to try to drive a wedge between Trump and DeSantis. And then we've got Disney versus DeSantis, which is a bunch of hot air that doesn't mean anything to anybody. Tucker Carlson. I'm sick and tired of Tucker Carlson. Let me be the first to say that it's starting to look like, okay, Tucker was great, got a lot of ratings. He did what most journalists should be doing, including most of the journalists on Fox News. Okay? So he's gone now, but he still can't speak because he's under some kind of contract, either a non-compete or a DNI or something. Uh, And... So what? That's his That's his thing. If he's going to stick to that and he's not going to say anything, then when you see headlines like Let Tucker Speak and all these... Eh, clearly, I, I admire the man, but what he does now really has so little impact on me and my family and my future, really. Ukraine? Does anybody even know what's going on in Ukraine anymore? The only time I ever hear about Ukraine is when... Joe Biden writes another check. And we've now invested $1.2 billion into this war that is clearly a war between Russia and the West. That's all it is. It's a territorial dispute that could lead to World War III. And the people that are in charge, the Jake Sullivans, the Newlands, the Victoria Newlands, all of those backroom people are making decisions that could destroy civilization. And do they care? No. Uh, But it's fake news because they're not giving us the real story. A good economy is fake news. If you're hearing on the news how great the economy is, you're not paying attention. What they don't show you are the homeless encampments that are exploding all across the country. The people that played by the rules, they showed up to work, but they lost their job, or criminality destroyed the economy so they lost their job and now people can't afford rent they can't afford to pay 2000 2500 for a shack 3000 a month, you're lucky if you could find something decent in LA for that amount how are you going to make that kind of money and you go to run a credit check and, and you come to find out half your money goes to your rent so what does that do for the economy uh, white on black crime, fake news simply there to keep continuing to poke the bear, Charles Manson would be very proud of today's media. He would. He was trying to do what the media is doing today, constantly driving that wedge between black and whites. That's what AOC is doing. That's what uh, Maxine Waters is all about. Any opportunity that they have to show how racist white people are, they will. And, it's, and consequently, it appears in the news almost nightly. Abortion rights. Most of Americans are against late-term abortions. Most of Americans are against uh, taxpayer-funded abortions. Most people in America don't understand that Margaret Sanger developed abortions under the guise of reducing uh, the black race in America. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I don't know if Wikipedia still says it, Probably changed it by now. But that's how abortion... There was a concern that there was a proliferation of African American babies in major cities. It was having a negative impact. Look it up. 880,000 abortions every month or every year on average in the United States. 880,000 people who had sex and said, oops. Yeah. Trump trials, fake news. Doesn't go anywhere. Doesn't mean anything. Statute of limitations will never hold, no matter what happens. But it lets the left continue to parade Trump with the racist letter R, the scarlet letter on his on his jacket. And then, of course, climate change is the biggest fake news of all, and it mostly comes up during your weather forecasts. So that's just a quick update. Now, real quickly, here are the here are the real news stories. We have less than a minute, but I'll be quick. I'll be real quick. Here we go. The real non-fake news stories, the real stories that you should be paying attention to are, in order, uh, the Biden crime family, vaccine harm, big pharma influence on society, the over-medication of people, the real China threat, the crumbling economies at home and abroad, homelessness, immigrant crime, climate extortion, anti-religious marginalization, Christian Genocide, and Compromised Media. Those are the real news stories that you don't hear about on the radio or on TV and by design. Because if you knew what was going on, you'd be upset and you would demand change. As long as you're in the dark, as long as you got your scrolling social media feeding you the fake news, they got you right where they want you to be. Michael Letts coming up next here on Speaking Out America. I'm Jr. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Speaking Out America, and it's unfortunately it's not good. It's good that I have the, that I, the, the guests that I have, but it's not good under the circumstances because usually when Michael Letts is on the program, we're talking about another tragedy, which in this case is the tragedy in Allen, Texas. Over the weekend, a shooter uh, who left, what is it, nine people dead. It's unbelievable, Just and in, in some of them kids, ranging from the age of five to 61 years old. And, of course, the media is all over it. He's a Hispanic guy but they're trying to paint him as the white supremacist, which uh, I scratched my head on that. But I want to play this Newsmax for you. This is a Newsmax piece that describes a little bit about the shooter, Michael, and then I'll get your opinion. Michael, by the way, is the CEO of invest.org, law enforcement officer, former law enforcement officer, uh, and very respected in the state of South Carolina. Uh, Listen to this, Michael.
0: Authorities say they're still looking into what led up to this deadly attack, which ended when the gunman, identified as 33-year-old Mauricio Garcia, was fatally shot by police. Investigators say they're also looking into his history, including social media posts. We are learning that Garcia was discharged from the Army in 2008 because of mental health issues and apparently had been working as a security guard. That's according to neighbors and also an Army official.
1: All right, so again, we got a situation here, Michael. Uh, first of all, why why do we not know more about his mental health issue? And secondly, why would the military? I mean, it's got to be pretty serious if they kick you out. So that would tell well, me no that. No question. Did they pass the buck? You know
0: what, what's interesting in this particular issue, Jim, is the facts that were not just related. Let me let's give some additional facts. We know for a fact that Mr. Garcia, when you look at his rights. No, left, excuse me, left under form. He is tattooed with a a very notary cartel, international cartel. You do not possess those tattoos unless you're an active member. And to be an active member, you are a uh, usually considered on their hit squad. It's interesting that the reason they are talking about it being a right wing extremist is he had a patch on the front of his tactical vest, with the initials RWD, which is Right Wing uh, Death squad. it is a hypothetical organization. did not even know that it really exists. And quite frankly, it was a patch with Velcro. You could have put that on at any point in time. It's not necessarily to say it's his. Hard to tattoo somebody though without them knowing that's not their tattoo. So the truth of the matter is, Jim, is there are a lot of other things behind the scenes dealing with the cartels on this particular incident. Why are the cartels involved? Well, you're fixing to do away with Title 42, which means that you will now have hundreds of thousands of additional illegal immigrants crossing the borders. And what does that do? Now, you understand cartels are a business, Jim. They do human trafficking, sex trafficking, and they do drugs. And quite frankly, you and I both know, let me use this analogy. If I have a gas station on the corner of an intersection and I'm the only one there, I get most of the business. Somebody opens one across the street, I start getting less. You start opening another one on the other corner, another one on the other corner, you know what happens. So there is a distinct interest in the cartels in making sure that uh, they control the flow of the local immigrants. That is why you're beginning to see now territorial issues coming up, and this will not be the last time you will see this across this country. They are just now beginning to gear up for territorial war all across the country caused by this administration. Why do I make that comment? Had we dealt with it the way it should have been dealt with, Jim, and closed our borders and cut off the uh, human trafficking and the drug uh, cartels coming across the border, we would not be having this conversation today.
1: That's a very interesting perspective, Michael, because I was coming from the uh, perspective that this man was mentally ill, maybe probably over-medicated, and that he was sort of a, well, like I said, you know, the, the military just sort of passed the buck, said we don't want to deal well, with this guy. Well, and
0: to be honest with you, Jim, you are correct, okay? You know, it, it's it takes a unique person to go in and just randomly open fire and realize they're going to ultimately pay the price. They're mentally ill to begin with. So your perception is not wrong. All I was doing was taking your perception and adding some content to it so that you could understand how it was able to get the operations able to be pulled off.
1: Of course. And so, but I and I also agree with you because what I see happening now with the influx of immigrants, they're coming in and our government is doing nothing to stop it, is exactly this. Pretty soon you're going to start seeing these turf wars Play out in all the cities that these immigrants are being moved to, but in the typical ones, now we see it happening in Dallas, Chicago, Atlanta, and it's not going to get any better as long as this administration doesn't change its policy.
0: Oh, no, it's going to get worse. We're just hitting the tip of the iceberg, quite frankly, Jim. Uh, there is a reason behind that. Understand that when you put, now we're dealing with the political topic. When you play politics, you got to know how to play the game well. I give this administration. The credit do it by knowing how to play politics well. They are, it's the most corrupt administration we've ever had in the history of this country. We have seen it time and time again being verified down by whistleblower agents from the FBI, IRS, and others. And with Hunter Biden and his laptop, things are starting to culminate into a head that is not the kind of coverage they're looking for as they seek re-election. So we have to divert the attention of the American people and divert the attention of the media. Of course, the media is already in bed with them, and they'll do anything they're told. To. It's the American public that's beginning to have questions now about this administration. And so they need diversionary tactics. And quite frankly, this is one of them, and they're very good at it. And you're going to see them beginning to play this repertoire of cards that they have up their sleeve to divert the attention from where it needs to be on the corruption that's causing these problems to just ask you to look at the problem itself and then taking their solution, which is no
1: solution. And also using it as a way of coming up with, like in Washington State, where they're banning certain types of weaponry. Even in this introduction, my producer, God bless her, she uh, had to include the AR-15 as if that had anything to do with this particular... uh, I mean, why, why is it they keep using... Oh, it's AR-15's fault that these are happening. Can you explain to me the mindset? What's the point? What what difference does it make what kind of weapon they use?
0: Yeah, you are so correct. And here's what I tell people all the time because we do this all across the country. There is no difference with an AR-15 and a forty five handgun in terms of the amount of weaponry it will fire. It only fires one bullet at a time. I have how, how fast I pull that trigger. The only difference is uh, the AR-15 has a little bit more powerful round. But quite frankly, either round will do sufficient damage that it doesn't really make any difference. So they're using that as a tactic to generate fear. And quite frankly, that has nothing to do with it. What needs to be held is what you're talking about, Jim, is the accountability of the people that are pulling the trigger. And until we hold people accountable for their actions, we'll have no resolution to the crime that's sweeping this country.
1: Well, you got that right. And uh, real quickly, your thoughts on the Marine that took down the homeless man in the subway. Now, he, the Marine is being labeled a racist and all these other charges against him. He did the right thing, didn't he? I mean, aren't we supposed to protect ourselves against potential assailants?
0: There's no question he did the right thing. And again, let's talk about facts that your listeners need to be aware of. First of all, this assailant, Mr. Neely, had attacked and assaulted a seven-year-old girl, had tried to push a grandmother in front of a train numerous times. He has attacked, civilians repeatedly, not to just harass them, but to cause them physical pain, suffering, and even death. So he was a threat to the citizens in New York. Second of all, when this Marine stepped forward to restrain the threat, there were two black gentlemen who assisted it. So don't tell me it was racist. Thirdly, what they're not revealing is that we have footage that actually shows Mr. Neely was still breathing and was firing after he had been released from the chum club. OK, so to automatically assume that he is to be held at fault, they're looking for a scapegoat. And that's what they have always attempted to do, to push their narrative. And quite frankly, the American people seem to say, you know what, enough's enough. We're not going to allow the media to continue to characterize heroes. And that's what Mr. Yeah. Marine was, was a hero who defended people on that train and tried to villainize them instead we're tired of what the mainstream media is attempting to do to destroy this country, and we're going to take this country back.
1: Michael Letts, he is a terrific guy, and we're so glad to have him stop by and fill us in on the real news. You can go to michaelletts.com that's L-E-T-T-S, Michael Letts. Thank you so much for stopping by, CEO, founder of InvestUSA.org, and we'll see you next week, okay? Thanks again. Be safe. Thank you,
0: Jim. God bless.
1: We'll continue in just a moment. You're listening to Speaking Out in America. I did write a new article and I hope that you'll take a look at it. It is on speakingoutamerica.com and it's about the mass immigration of migrants uh, or as as I refer to them, the newly arrived. And this is just continues to be a nightmare for the Biden administration. And uh, again, another example of how the media has completely slanted the coverage because what they're not showing is the impact that this mass migration is having in places like Uh, El Paso and elsewhere and it's the small towns that that are along the border Brownsville, Laredo uh, areas south of Tucson these areas are all already being impacted by the mass migration the allowance of all of these migrants into the country now let me just say that I grew up in a migrant family my stepdad From the time I was six till the time I was 14, uh, I lived with him and he had married my mom and he was a recent arrival from Mexico. He grew up in a very small town, originally from Zacatecas, could barely speak English. And it was in that period of, say, seven years where I got to learn up close what a Mexican family is like because a lot of his relatives came through our home and then they moved on to other places. Most of them ended up migrating up in Toppenish, Washington. And I lay out all of this in my brief article on SpeakingOut.com, SpeakingOutAmerica.com. And the point is, is that at its heart, I completely, and I've always understood, the lure of North America. If you are living in a, in a country that never seems to go very far, their economy never seems to get better, the criminality only seems to get worse, of course you're going to look naturally for a place to go where you have opportunity. So I don't want to hear any of this this crazy stuff about how I'm a racist. But I will tell you there is an element to a third world country, which much of of Mexico is, through no fault of their own, by the way. Uh, And the ravages of the cartels is beyond compare. The cartels make more money, and there are six of them, I think, major ones. And they each make the equivalent of what Apple makes in profits every year. And now we have the China connection that's flooding the streets. And only now is our government paying attention. Only now are they looking at the fentanyl deaths. And I warned you about this three years ago, five years ago, ten years ago. The, and and it's, by the way, it's the Republicans' fault as well as the Democrats' fault. The Republicans like cheap labor. Democrats like votes. They like people being dependent. And you know who gets crushed in all of this is the middle class. Because it's the middle class whose daughters get raped by the criminality element. It's the middle class. You know, in many ways, it's, it's the same story as what happens when you have a clash between cultures in Europe. You know, you have this influx of people that come from other countries where they have a completely different moral structure or a completely different philosophy of life or a completely different religious outlook. And when you put one culture against the other, one of them will, uh, would, would, will come out on top. There's never a merger of the two. It's like, you know, when they used to experiment with the killer bees. Remember back in the 70s and 80s, how these bees were coming up from Africa or uh, South America? and these bees were going to destroy the more nascent bees of america so they thought they would create a hybrid take a, a very calm bee and made it with a, a you know these killer bees and what happened was you had a more of a strain of killer bees so you can never you can never predict the outcome when you merge two two cultures which one is going to rise up and history teaches it's usually one or the other if one doesn't subjugate it will dominate the other and that's what we're seeing in these no go zones in europe where people french can't go into these areas because they know they're going to get robbed they're going to get attacked they're going to get oftentimes raped assaulted even murdered and now you're starting to see these pockets it's been this way forever in los angeles you know there's are certain areas you just don't go into after dark and it's still the case and probably even worse and again, it's the drug influence, it's the cartels, it's the territories. It's the lack of proper law enforcement. But none of this concerns Biden. None of this. It's just, they just keep opening the door and rushing him in. And it's unbelievable, the infliction on this country. And it's not because I have anything against Mexicans who want to come here, or Central Americans, or Guatemalans, or Haitians, How how they got to... The continent, I have no idea. But you have to have a controlled immigration. You have to. Because you have to allow for the body to absorb the new influx. It has to have time to to regulate itself. And it's only fair for everybody involved. And when you have 3 million illegal immigrants flooding into a country all at once, the only thing you can expect is disaster. It's not going to get any better, and this ass that's in the White House doesn't give a crap about his country. I mean, it's insulting for me to think that this man thinks he's doing anybody any good. And by the way, the people that are here, the legal migrants, they're impacted as well. African Americans in large cities, they're impacted as well. It puts pressure on housing and rental prices and job availability it's hard for me to fathom that this guy can be so blind to the suicide that he is committing on behalf of his country under the guise of whatever virtue he's looking for. So, and, and the left wants to paint it as racist because we, how dare we object. You know, so let's now turn our attention to this other issue that has reared its ugly head and it's about reparations and here we are talking about reparations in california they're one step closer the story from a lady by the name of let me see if i can find the story here the they are there was a committee that was formed not long ago the reparations task force formally approved new recommendations on reparations for African Americans living in California, according to the approved recommendations, first and foremost, there is an apology that needs to be issued. The state has included a censor of the gravest barbarities, end quote. That's the apology. The apology would include such issues as housing discrimination in the past. It would also formally condemn former state governor Peter Hardeman Burnett over passing laws excluding African Americans from the state. These are things that happened long ago. The monetary amount, the task force, says $800 billion is the initial figure. $800 billion. It includes an estimated payment of $13,619 per each year of state residency. For health care disparities, another $3,300 per year each lived in the state between 1933 and 1977 What's the total amount here? It's in the trillions. And you know who's behind it? A lot of people. Congresswoman Barbara Lee, Democrat from California. She's running for the Senate. And she says of the proposals on Sunday that reparations are not only morally justifiable, but they have the potential to address long-standing racial disparities and inequalities. So what do you think is happening here? I'll tell you what's happening. What do you think is going to happen? Well, first of all, if they never get to the actual payoff, you're going to see riots in the street. That's just that's just a fact. You get all these people and you get their hopes up about what they're going to do and how much stimming checks they're going to get. What do you think they're going to do when they don't get that money? They're going to revolt. It'll be insult upon injury. And then, of course, you ask yourself, what are the statute of limitations on On ancestral uh, harm, like for example, how many generations can you can you get compensated for? And and what about the people who fought against slavery, the soldiers of the North of the Union Army? Do they get? Do their families get some sort of recompensation? See, these are the and then what does it do for people who think they're going to get this payoff, and they decide they don't need to work because they're going to get a few million dollars handed to them? sometime in the next couple of years what is that going to do and then what is it going to do to our economy just like we saw with the pandemic you see where all this goes doesn't look very good does it then what does it do for racial division what about the other races the Asians, the Native Americans they're going to get upset they're going to want their piece of the pie so none of it bodes well none of it bodes well Because whenever you get something for nothing, by fiat of mere existence, you're asking for trouble. How many times have we seen people who come upon wealth in their life and it destroys them? They become the envy. It becomes divisive to the body politic. And that's the problem that we have right now. I've heard from people that say there's no way in hell they're going to come up with this. There are all kinds of moral reasons not to suddenly hand... 42 million people or whatever it is. A big wad of cash. And it's, it's almost childish, really. And I know that uh, I speak on behalf of a lot of African Americans. It's actually an insult. And it all stems from this guilt by association. That's going to do it for yours truly. This episode, I want to thank Michael Letts again for stopping by. Don't forget our website speaking out america.com our podcast the same speaking out america until next time thanks for stopping by